Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the podcast, which is to say Antiochus II, whose epithet is Theos. Serial, do you know what Theos means? Theos as in related to the gods? Yes. Ah, wait, really? <laughs> yes, correct. Theos, the same one from theology. Okay, so divine? The divine? Yeah, Antiochus the god, basically. Huh? huh? Okay. <laughs> but you mentioned this wasn't that long of an episode, yeah? So... It's not super long, so, but so you know... What, so what? what is going on? You'll find out. He's a very localized god. <laughs> it works that way. I am confused. I am so curious now, especially after yes. Antiochus first sorted. Yes, we have the savior followed by the god. Yeah, I mean, because Antiochus I didn't do badly. It was just, you know, not super impressive, but like uh, complicated period. I think we agreed. Yeah, it was basically a solid performance, but nothing extraordinary, which is why we didn't give him a shot and shot. So, so I are. guess now something incredible and miraculous is going to happen. I'm th- Listen. <laughs> I did not expect this. Uh, okay. Also, since you were skeptical about Antiochus II last time, because, you know, the whole becoming heir at the end due to an accident. Oh, yeah. And then having to figure things out from there. That's very true, yeah. I forgot that we had this whole... Antiochus I brought up his firstborn to succeed him and then kill him for yes. unknown reasons to us. And this is the other son i assume the yes this is the spare son that they had that needed to (laughs) succeed so let's find out yeah but first let's have just a quick recap on antiochus the first so everybody knows where we are so basically antiochus the first picked up the kingdom from seleucus managed to stabilize build a lot of cities he was one of the founders of the great city of antioch on the orontes which will become the capital of the seleucid empire and is, yes, that Antioch that you've heard of. It's the one that's important for Christianity. Yes, that one. So Antiochus settled the empire. Then he had to fight some Gauls, which ended up settling in the center of Anatolia in a place called Galatia. He also fought, almost accidentally, a war with the Ptolemies over Syria. It didn't really end up with any real solutions. It just was basically back to the start. He also kept up the friendship with the Maurya Empire in India. And besides that, just did a generally good job securing the empire and making sure it was in order. But as we mentioned before, the issue here is that his son and co-king Seleucus was executed because we don't it know. seems maybe he tried to rebel, but we don't have any clear evidence around there. So Antiochus II became the heir by proxy, but not co-king until... Antiochus I died because, well, there was no trust there anymore. So, here we go. Let's start. So, Antiochus II is born in around 286 BC as the son of Antiochus I and his wife-slash-mother-in-law for a bit, Stratonica. Oh, yeah. And, as we saw, Antiochus wasn't really meant to become king and wasn't really trained as the heir. He was trained as, you know, the second son, but no huge co-collaboration with his father. But at a certain point, Seleucus maybe rebelled against his father and tried to take the throne early. The rebellion failed, 
Seleucus was executed, and Antiochus II was left as heir to the throne, but not co-king. But in any case, we see that Antiochus II has grown up enough. He seems to be in his mid-twenties by the time his father dies. Mm-hmm. And he's already married with children. Oh, So okay. he has a wife called Laodike. And can you guess what the names of his children are? He has two sons. I'm going to say Seleucus and Antiochus. Correct. Hey! In that order, Good old exactly. traditional names in this family. <laughs> yes. We only have two we names. We don't want any foreign names. Yes. There we go. So, good to know. Also, Appian, who is one of our historians, tells us that this was actually a love match. So, oh. you know, who knows? He was the second son. Maybe he yeah. was allowed this luxury. And, <laughs> okay, awesome. Nice. Maybe it wasn't that Let's important. hope so who he married or you know maybe it was while sir lucas was still alive so not really yeah he has two children so presumably yeah, it was a while and before, i guess there so wasn't any conflict that needed to be settled by marriage that yeah, couldn't be done everything with, was you know, someone stable else. enough and they didn't need the prince so it was like yep sure you like this girl go for it congratulations yeah, so let's hope we had another functional relationship although we'll see how it ends well you know power dynamics can still be not ideal. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, Not if somebody's a prince exactly. and eventually heir to the throne, that's sort of complicated. Good that you can marry by love, but also uh, still not going to be, you know. Yeah, it's problematic. But anyway. <laughs> still, still implications. Yes. <laughs> anyway, when Antiochus I dies, Antiochus II, our protagonist, comes to the throne in 261. Hooray, hooray, he is probably 25-ish, and he is now king of the Seleucid Empire. I'm going to write that down, just so I remember when you ask me how long he reigned. Nice. (laughs) So his rise to the throne seemed to have been pretty stable, like it wasn't too terrible that the empire didn't explode into civil war. But what we do see that is kind of uh, unnerving is, is that his brother Seleucus rebels in Babylon. When he came to the throne. No. Can you see the problem? <laughs> Seleucus is dead. Yes. This was like a whole plot point on why Antiochus is king to begin with. Yes. But apparently there's some guy in Babylon saying, I'm Seleucus, make me your king. Very confused. So, you know, probably an imposter or yeah. a whole weird Bardia situation. I was going to say not? Bardia's back. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, but anyway, we don't have to worry about it for long because Antiochus rushes east, defeats the uprising, and apparently impales the Seleucus. We're not doing none of that. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, yeah, so we don't want any trouble at my succession, please. I want to be an only child, thank you very much. <laughs> Kindly off. <laughs> yes. But there is more chaos because the Ptolemies exist and, well... Of course. That's going to cause some problems. So we have the following situation in Anatolia, because you have to remember that the Ptolemies aren't just in Egypt now. They have a lot of territories along the eastern Mediterranean because they have a strong fleet. Oh, yeah. That was like their whole thing. Yeah, that's a big deal. So in 259, there is a rebellion in the Ptolemaic city of Miletus on the Anatolian coast. So the city rebels, makes itself independent. Where Talis was from. Yes, exactly. Ah. Same place. (laughs) And 
well, this Miletus is bordering the Seleucid Empire, so Antiochus sees a nice, juicy city that is disorganized and just freshly rebelled, and he says, okay, great, I'll conquer Mine. it. Yeah. Yes. So Antiochus jumps on the city, takes Miletus, hooray, it's in the empire now. But then he gets some angry letters from the Ptolemies saying, hey, that was our city, why did you? you take it? Mm. And Antiochus replies, it wasn't your city anymore, I took it fair and square. If it was your city, why was it rebelling, huh? Yeah, basically. So the Ptolemies send a letter back saying, okay, fine, then we're fighting you. Uh-huh. Meet us behind the schoolyard at four. That sort of yes. thing. You want to fight? You want to fight? Let's settle this outside. Yes. So first of all, the citizens of Miletus proclaim Antiochus a god, <laughs> which is where he becomes Theos. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yes. I love this. I love that the <laughs> citizens of the city that was just taken by him were so yes. done with the Ptolemies that they're like, this guy, like, yes. This fellow, yes. He is yes. our god now. <laughs> We not only want him to rule us, we want to worship him. Just don't bring those guys back, please. Yes, everybody was done with the Ptolemies at this early stage. So, hooray! <laughs> Antiochus the god. We got him. I love this. Oh, this brings me such joy. I'm so sorry to all the Ptolemy fans. I actually don't know much about the Ptolemies. But this well, situation we'll is hilarious to me. Yes. Yeah, so Antiochus is a god in a very specific place, but he's still a god. It still counts on his resume. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, if you can put that in your resume, yeah. go, go right ahead. Yeah, like all yeah. of us can put time person of the year 2006 on our resume. Go for it. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> yes, because the That's time person funny. of the year was you with a mirrored page in the front, which was fun. Oh, that's cool. Seriously, there should be more memes about this. Like, when a city likes you so little that they make the new guy who invade them a god just to keep you from... Yeah. Like, just to make it clear, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a thing that happens. Oh, uh, goodness. But yeah. But back to the bloodshed. Please. So, Ptolemy II wants to try and take back Miletus, but due to all the million Galatian raids in the past decades... Anatolia is immensely fortified, so it's really hard to take it, especially if you want to try and invade far from the sea where the Ptolemies are less strong. They can't really go there directly. So Ptolemy II decides to invade Syria directly. So he attacks Syria, and Antiochus is there with the main royal army to defend. So we don't really have much information about the war, like for the first Syrian war. The second Syrian war is kind of unclear. What we do know is that apparently Antiochus repelled the Ptolemaic attacks at the start in the first couple of years. And then there was a bit of a Seleucid counterattack into southern Syria and Palestine, but it didn't get very far. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't too exciting. While in the meantime, in Anatolia, Antiochus managed to take a few Ptolemaic cities on the coast and have a few Ptolemaic aligned rulers switch sides. So there's a bit of a gain there. But, you know, nothing huge. There is no immense amount of land uh, switching sides. Also, during this period, Antiochus marries his sister to the king of Macedon to actually help with this whole war effort and make sure that the Ptolemies are threatened enough that they're not going to escalate beyond a certain amount. Interesting. So, nice. Who's king of Macedon right now? Since, you know, we, we went over there for a while. Yes. I don't know if it's still Antigonus II. I think it might be, but... It may also be his son, which I would assume is called Demetrius because 
this dynasty has two names and they're Antigonus and Demetrius. So I think it's either Antigonus II or Demetrius II, but not positive. Okay. Just out of curiosity, since, you know, we did spend a lot of time over there in Macedon and at one point we were the same empire, so... Yeah, sure. Just to keep tabs with the extended family. See our distant cousins saying bye-bye. But one of the problems with this uh, Syrian war for Antiochus is that it sort of has the north of Anatolia, which wasn't involved in the fighting, slip away from uh, Seleucid control. Because there are three northern kingdoms called Bithynia, Pontus, and Cappadocia that start to drift out of the Seleucid sphere of influence and be more politically independent than uh, they had been previously. Although Antiochus married one of his daughters to the king of Cappadocia to try and Mm. at least avoid attacks in that direction, but it's still a little bit messy. But another issue that this war caused that was sort of related to the war but not to the actual fighting is that the eastern satrapies are unhappy. Because if the king is in the west all the time, then the east has to figure out how to deal with itself. So we know that Antiochus never really visited Babylon as king or went further east than Babylon. And in particular, it seems that the region of Bactria and Mm -hmm. Parthia in the northeast and just north of the empire are sort of becoming more independent as they have to rely on the local population to repel nomadic raids, which are starting to pick up a little bit and they're starting to become a little bit threatening. You know, there's nothing insane yet, but it's still a little bit worrying to start Mm. from anyway yeah so what's happening is we're sort of continuing the westward trend that we've already seen under antiochus the first because originally the empire when seleucus took it it was based in babylon extended went to the east took the control then he put his son and heir in control of the east to rule it instead then when antiochus the first came to the throne he tried to rule the empire he tried to also have his heir rule the east but as we saw, that failed because Seleucus had to be executed in the end. Uh, well, you know, because reasons. not much information on that. Yeah. And the fact is that now Antiochus II has decided to not appoint his supposed son and heir as ruler of the East. He's apparently learned okay. from the Maybe potential attempted anymore. rebellion, who knows. And he's decided, no, I'm not going to name an heir. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to name a co-ruler. I'm just going to... Stay on my own. If the East can govern itself with local rulers, awesome. I don't need to worry about that. Uh, well, I don't know if that's a better strategy. Because, like, not having any yeah. kind of eye on there... I don't know. Yeah, that can be problematic if things go downhill otherwise. Yeah, you're depending on the people there really being very loyal to you. Yeah, and basically, you know, if the people realize that, oh... We're paying taxes to the king, but the king doesn't really bother governing us. Well, then why do we need the king in the first place? Exactly. That's a whole mess there. And also the Seleucids sort of started following more west because they didn't continue marrying into eastern families. Because if you remember, Antiochus I is half Sogdian and half Macedonian. Mm -hmm. And so he had allies. He had family ties in the region. Yeah, But he didn't marry any... Iranian women, he just married Macedonian women. And that's so where his heirs came from. So yeah, that's, that's that. That's a problem. And now Antiochus himself, Antiochus II, also married a Macedonian woman. So again, moving further and further away from the east of the empire, which is being left to its own devices. I'm sure that won't backfire at all. 
Anyway, despite the edges of the Empire slipping away due to this second Syrian war... Sure, we'll be fine. Yeah, no consequences. They keep fighting for seven years with basically no progress either way. As we mentioned, Antiochus takes a few coastal cities, but eh, it's nothing too impressive. So in the end, the two sides decide to make peace. And the terms of the peace basically look like everybody keeps what they had and it's fine. Not really Nothing a comes of war. This. <laughs> yes. Who cares about the people who lost their lives? Yeah, it's fine. They're expendable. Wow. They're NPCs. It's okay. Wow. But there is one term that we do know of for this piece. Ah. Which is basically that Antiochus is going to marry Ptolemy II's daughter, Berenike. Okay. And weirdly enough, we're told that when Berenike came to the Seleucid court in Antioch, her father Ptolemy would constantly send her jars full of water from the Nile to drink. Ew. Which sounds no. very excessive. Don't. But, yeah. Don't do that. Don't drink yeah, it doesn't water sound straight from a river. either healthy or clever, but uh, I guess taste of home or something. I don't know. It's a very specific mineral water brand that they only have there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I only drink this specific water. I will die of thirst before I drink anything else. <laughs> Just, what the hell? Yeah. It's sort of unclear who asked for this marriage because there are two sides of it we could consider. So on the one side, if we look at it from Ptolemy's point of view, he gets the advantage that, well, his daughter is now a trusted family member in the Seleucid court and she can pull strings when needed. Sure. Also, if they have a son, well, it's going to be a half Seleucid, half Ptolemaic son with a Ptolemaic mother raising him. So it's definitely going to be very favorable to the Ptolemies if and when this child comes to the throne. Right. So that would be good news. Join the empires. Yeah. On the other hand, Antiochus sort of has the advantage that, well, he might have an heir that has a claim to the Ptolemaic kingdom. Hmm. And that heir Same could eventually thing. claim both of them. So awesome. It's so funny that both of them are like... We joined the empires, but on my terms. <laughs> yes, but on my side. <laughs> yeah, but I'm winning. The result yeah, is the I... same, sir, but I'm winning. <laughs> so, yeah. The slight problem on Antiochus' side is that, if you remember, he was married with two adult children at this point. Yeah, like he has heirs. Yes, he has two heirs. Okay, Antiochus, so, please don't do anything rush. Yeah, so what do you think his... Oh, Supposed love match Laodike thinks about this new marriage and potential heir that will replace her sons. No, to the fire with her. Pretty much, because... Understandably so. So the marriage goes through. Great. This is political, yeah. Yeah, it's political. We need it to secure the peace. Let's go Which for it. Which has less weight than a marriage by love, sadly. Yeah. But, 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 this means that Antiochus might actually care about what Laodike has to say. Yeah, if he actually possible. cares about her, right? Yes, in theory, we're told that he's supposedly like, cared for her. So yeah. let's see if the actions match I, the words. <laughs> something tells me not so much. <laughs> okay. So Laodike, basically, it's unclear if she was, like, full-on divorced or if she just decided to leave the court in outrage, presumably, or she was kicked out by the new queen, Berenike. We're not mm. sure of the dynamics. Laodike and her two sons 
Seleucus and Antiochus, head all the way to Anatolia in Ephesus. <sighs> the betrayal, dude. Yes, and they stay there basically fuming silently for yeah. a while. Are they going to come back? Are we going to have a civil war with these guys? That'd be well, cool. Just say story. that. We'll find out. <laughs> Either that or they get killed before they can do that. So, just yeah. for security. That's how many things go. But, to everybody's slight preoccupation, in 248, Berenike gives birth to a son. Uh-huh. Hooray, a healthy baby boy. What do you think she names the son? Ptolemy? <laughs> Antiochus? Nope. Yes, Antiochus. I was like, that would be such a ballsy move. <laughs> I mean, naming him Ptolemy would have been a lot. I know, I know. No, it had to be Antiochus, clearly. <laughs> I mean, that would have been fun, but yeah, unfortunately. So we have one Antiochus and the other Antiochus, you know, not confusing yes. at all. Yes, we have Antiochus Hyrax, which is the son of Laodike, and oh. Antiochus, son of Berenike. Because, yeah, that's how we distinguish them. Something tells me Antiochus, son of Berenike, is not going to be that relevant if we know him as Antiochus, son of Berenike. Eh, we'll see. Well, maybe he changed his names. We'll see. Yeah, people get thrown names. It happens. Maybe you're just keeping me from spoilers. Yeah, I need to make sure everything is silent, even though it's been 2,000 years. We just want to well, listen. surprises. I'm just catching up now, okay? <laughs> There's no spoilers for the next 2,000 years of history. Exactly. I don't want to know how it ends. I've heard it ends poorly. It always ends poorly. But now the problem is that we have three male sons of the king, and Antiochus II hasn't named his heir. He has no official heir he has pronounced. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. So everybody is pretty much equally likely to succeed him. And one of these children is a prince on both sides of his family. <laughs> so that's concerning to everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so calm about it, I'm sure. Yeah, Nobody's having, like, stressful dreams or anything. No, nah, everything's totally chill. Because in 246, Berenike's father, Ptolemy II, dies. Okay. He leaves the throne to, can you guess what Antiochus? the next one is called? Nope, Ptolemy III. Ptolemy, yeah, of course. Who is how related to... He is Berenike's brother. And Antiochus, okay. son of Berenike's uncle. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. And I assume Ptolemy II trees. had his own sons and this is... Yeah. yeah, this is one of those sons, and succession went smooth. Okay. Ta-da! That's how you do it. Yeah, while well, looking at the situation, Antiochus receives a letter from Laodike in Ephesus and says, Hey, listen, I know things have been bad. I want to make up. Especially since your wife is grieving, probably have to go to the funeral or something. Why don't you come to Ephesus and visit me? And your sons, you know, they would like to see you. And so Antiochus goes all the way to Ephesus, and he stays a bit flaudique at the palace. And then, surprise, surprise, a little while later, it turns out, oh no, the king is dead. Whatever will we do? Uh-huh. I wonder how he died. Surprise. Yeah, so very likely Laodike killed him to ensure that her children would take the throne before the baby Antiochus would become old enough to be a military threat to her sons. Right. 
There's also an alternative version where Antiochus II was already sick before getting there. And, uh, uh, sure, and sure, sure. Died of disease while there, and it was a coincidence, but it's kind of weird that it happened exactly when Ptolemy II died and there was a new succession in Egypt which made Berenike more unstable. So all of this is in a big pot of horrors. Mm-hmm. And now we have an unclear succession because in theory Seleucus, son of Laodike, is the heir on that side. You know, if you're going by primogeniture, yeah, that's how that's, it would work. Yeah, that's the son of the emeritus king yeah. and uh, he didn't get disinherited like did, did nothing happened to actually take that away from him i guess like formally yeah there was a new marriage which makes things weird but you know it was uh but it wasn't explicitly said like you are no longer part of the yeah exactly succession line but there's also a second problem seleucus is in anatolia Berenike and baby Antiochus are in Antioch, in the capital, just a few days' ride away from the Ptolemaic border where Berenike's brother has armies. So, how's this going to end? We'll find out next episode! Oh god. Wait, so that was it? Why <laughs> yes, are we, that's it. We barely have, like, 20 minutes. What are we gonna yeah. do? The sources Help? are terrible, I'm sorry. If there were more, I would have told you more stuff, but I am sorry. Oh god, oh god. Uh, okay, so let's have a small recap. Yes. Antiochus Second. Yes. our king for this episode, mm-hmm. had a marriage by love to this woman, Laodike. Yes. Because he wasn't supposed to be the heir to the throne, so he could do whatever he wanted. And then... His father killed his primogenitor, Seleucus, because... Elder brother, yeah. Exactly. Because of, uh, we don't know. And so Antiochus ended up being the successor. Yes. And then in all of this wibbly-wobbly madness, well, he had two sons already before becoming king. Yes. So we've seen before in this podcast that, like, sometimes the excuse they use is, oh, if you were a son before this person became king, then you're not as legitimate as the son that they had after becoming king. Yes, which is they mm, were born as a prince as opposed exactly. to being born as a common person. Which, uh, you, sure, you can use that as an excuse if you want. <laughs> like, it's not consistent and on itself it's not... It only works if you have somebody powerful it, making exactly. that argument for you. Yeah, yeah. So he has two sons, Seleucus and Antiochus. With Laodike, and then because of this whole thing with the Ptolemies, where like he went to get the city because it was rebelling already, and he got it, and then the Ptolemies were like, what the hell, man, that's our city, and he was like, no, it was rebelling, so it was by proxy not yours anymore. And there's this whole mess, and then in the end they're like, okay, everything goes back to how we have it, Mm -hmm. but now we have a marriage that potentially joins the two empires, the Ptolemaic and the Seleucid. Yes. And that is the marriage of the Ptolemy's sister to Antiochus. Yes, the sister of Ptolemy the Third, daughter of exactly. Ptolemy the Second. Yes, messy. yes, the daughter of Ptolemy the Second, who is the current, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just same names. I know. <laughs> and so Laodike is not happy about this because that could take legitimacy away from her own children. Mm-hmm. So she leaves the court. 
guess. We don't know how officially, but yeah, we don't know she, if somebody pushed her away or she's leaving she physically voluntarily. Leaves. Yeah, and then eventually Antiochus has a son with this new wife, who is called Berenike. Berenike, too similar of a name. Again, this is not does not make it easy. <laughs> Daughter of Ptolemy the Second. Yes, and it is a son, which means he has a claim to both empires, which everyone wants for their own gain. And then Ptolemy the Second dies. Ptolemy the Third becomes king, the yes. uncle of this child. Yes. And then mysteriously Antiochus dies, like right after, just slightly after visiting Laodice at Ephesus, and. Everything is on fire now. Right, did Laodike kill him? It's implied. That wouldn't make any sense. Why? I mean, it's implied that, you know, now that Tommy III is new on the throne, he's unstable, Berenike doesn't have as much secure support. So, and also right. Berenike's uh, child is still young and can't act for himself. And Laodike's so. children, Seleucus and Antiochus, are like men at this point. Yeah, they're adult men who can lead an army and... Take the empire. And so maybe she's like, I'm overthrowing my own husband. Yeah, in favor of my son. In favor of my children, because I care more about them than he does, or he cares about me, apparently, because obviously he betrayed yeah. us. So, jokes on you. I am back, bitch. <laughs> yeah, also, since nobody had been announced as the official heir. Yeah, then, well, that was on Antiochus for not doing that. Yeah, Yeah. then the problem is that Antiochus II could have just at any moment said, oh, my son by Berenike is the real heir, and that destroys yeah. all of Laodica's plans. Right. So by killing him before he can make this decision, she saves her son's legitimacy. Yeah, which, like, really silly of Antiochus, because we've learned that you should have succession plans kind of figured out, you know. Yes, I mean, that was the custom for a long time. As soon time as until, possible. Yeah. Until Antiochus's older brother, Seleucus, messed everything up for everybody by ruining the succession somehow. Well, I would say until Alexander was like, I don't care. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but that goes without saying. Alexander messing up successions is implied. <laughs> it's just what he does. The boy. Yeah. But yeah, so there is the ending of Antiochus II, Antiochus the God. Okay, so Serial, are you ready to rate Antiochus the Second? Uh, sure. Yeah. Woo. Let's see. I mean, we, as, sadly, <laughs> sources do not give us much, so... Yeah. Don't expect terribly high scores, but let's see what he gets. Okay, so our first category is Final Moments. How interesting was his death? Potentially murdered by his wife. Honestly? Due to succession. Kind of interesting, because... Yeah, that's a lot of drama. and Also due to the whole mess it leaves behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mad that we don't know, but also, like, the yeah. implications are interesting. I am intrigued. Yeah, it could be. And also, especially if it was a love match, where yeah. she has to kill her former lover, and it was like, ah, oh, thing, you betrayed. Anakin, you were my brother. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I would understand if she was really mad at him. I mean, you know, it's understandable. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the point where he put... The ties with the Ptolemies before his marriage with Laodike. Uh, like, I'm, I can see how she was very pissed. Like, do we mean nothing to so, you? Most people. So, yeah, we've been with you for decades. Your I children are adults now. Revenge. What are you doing? I want her to have a revenge act so bad. Well, you'll get to find out 
next episode because she features prominently in it. Oh, good. I don't know how successful she will be, but like, if I were writing the history. (laughs) (laughs) In your version, she's successful. In my version, I would make both women just, just, yes, just all the interesting (laughs) bits and would not just make them hate each other, but like eventually unite and respect each other and be like, okay, it's our empire now all of you guys yeah (laughs) there's a woman in 24 episodes i'm very excited for you to meet but it'll be in a while but anyway the death how would you rate it yeah quite interesting makes everything more dramatic i will go for i'm somewhere between a three and a four i'd say i'm going a bit higher i think at, at least a five okay all right i think i'll be sticking with four i i think it's mostly the lack of detail is yeah, I guess. Turning me lower, but, you know, if you want to go with five, sounds cool. Yeah, I do. I do want to okay. go with five. So let's do that. With a four and a five, we get a 4.5 out of 10 for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at war and conquest? Um, he took a few cities in Anatolia and came to an inconclusive peace in Syria. We didn't That's hear it. much. Yeah, again, source problem, but yeah, yeah, I don't know how much credit you can give him for, because he did fight the Ptolemies to a standstill, you know, in his credit, Mm -hmm. they didn't invade him, he didn't manage to invade them, it was pretty even-sided, got a few cities in Anatolia, but it's not terribly impressive, honestly, I'm I'm seeing it quite low at the moment, because Mm. there's not not much info uh, that we can work with. So, meh. Yeah, I think I'd be going for like a two-ish. Basically one point for taking the cities, one point for the status quo, which I guess is better than losing. Yeah. But not Honestly, we don't appreciate it as much as as we should. Yeah, I mean, but if you fight for seven years and at the end everybody's like, well, let's just pretend nothing happened. That's really stupid. I hate that. (laughs) That's not a great Like you've taken people's lives for nothing. Yeah, which is kind of eh. But taking the city from Ptolemy and then being <laughs> proclaimed a god is hilarious to me. I want to give him a point for good. that so badly. Feel free to give him as many points as you like. I'm sticking with two points for battle hardness. What are you going for? I'll go for three. Three. Okay. Yeah. For sass points for yes. being declared a god. Which honestly should be given to the city, not to him. Yeah. But... <laughs> So with two and three points, that is a five out of 20 for battle hardness. Sure. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulation? Eh. Not much. (laughs) I think there are two things which could maybe qualify. First of all is the taking the rebelling city and saying, actually, it doesn't count as your city because it was rebelling. So I'm cool now. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, don't know if but you want to right. consider that. I, think, I mean... Yeah. Eh. yeah, he's right, but just because he's trying to be very technically right. And uh, the second schemey thing is getting a new Ptolemaic wife and messing things up, but... Mm, that's more eh. shocking than schemey. Yeah, I think schemey I mean, it's not schemey because it's not, like, hidden from it. Like, we all know why. We all know why you want this. Yeah. It's not a secret plot or anything. It's just, yeah, of course you want to have a claim to the Ptolemaic Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
but yeah, so for scheminess, I think I'd be going for like a one, maybe. What about you? What are you thinking? A one for what? For the whole city is actually technically not under the control. I guess. I'm going yeah. for a zero. I don't see it. Mm. Like, you can go for a... I'm not trying to convince you. You can go uh, yeah, for a one I'm, if you want, but... Yeah, I think if you're going for a zero, one is fine. I hmm. think it's, you know, doesn't deserve much more, but go for a one. Sure. Okay, so with a one and a zero, gets a one out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was he in his dealings? Uh, I mean, a little bit. You know, again, taking the city with a sort of tricky, yeah, yeah, but technically not really. Hmm. Plus, I don't know if you want to put in shocking the fact that he's declared a god. Yes, that <laughs> is excellent. Reasons. I loved that. That's so silly to me. Yeah. <laughs> then he basically sets aside his wife of a couple of decades for this new Ptolemaic princess, yeah. which, I mean, yes, it's for the peace, but also, come on, man. But then he has not naming an heir, which can be a little bit shocking. <sighs> that's just stupid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Really, there's nothing to no being declared a god that, and then just on my end betraying his wife. But also, that's not that weird. I mean, especially still, for politics. You know, that's true, but he didn't have. Oh, I don't to. agree with it at all. But you know, yeah, you can't really say you're shocked. Can't say you're shocked, but you could say that you know you expect him to treat that part of his family better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not be a head. <laughs> basically but yeah so shock factor i'm thinking a three ish which is you know i think it's yeah. there's something yeah. there it's nothing yeah unbelievable Sorry. yeah i agree yeah. three sounds good okay. three sounds acceptable nice so with a three and a three we get a six out of 20 for shock factor so next category is aaron shine how good was he for the empire and iran in particular was he? Per you just left them That's to their own devices. kind of the issue. I was yeah, like, ah, so, yeah, and that part is also there. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with the positives and then we'll just dunk on him for a while. So the <laughs> positives are um, he added a few cities in Anatolia to the Empire. I guess that's cool. He has a marriage alliance with the Ptolemies, which is a bit messy, but I guess it's nice to have. And that's pretty much it. On the downside, he doesn't leave a clear heir in the succession, which is a problem. He messes up the succession by taking a second wife that is politically important. Yeah. Yeah, you could say he was too greedy and wanted this to happen, but then messed up the things way more because of yeah. wanting too much. He had never like taken the ties to the Ptolemies. Like, sure, he wouldn't have a claim to the Ptolemaic empire but his empire wouldn't be in danger to be taken by the ptolemies either so you know eh. yeah that's kind of a problem and also if he had just decided to be decisive and say okay nope my son by Berenica is now the heir this is how it works yeah then okay at least things are clear at least we know you know sure you yeah know, you can deal with the consequences but will be yeah very annoyed but at least you've made some a clear direction for the empire and yeah, also other negative things are that the north of Anatolia is slipping away. The kingdoms are doing their own thing. Also, the whole east is slipping away because they're learning to govern themselves without needing a king and doing what mm. they want. 
So that's not good for the empire overall. And, you know, Iran in particular is just being neglected and used as a piggy bank when it's comfortable for the Seleucids and it's not really having power. So not terribly impressed, gotta say. Hmm. Could have been worse, but it could have been a lot better. Uh, what are you thinking? Because I'm in between a one and a two, personally. I feel like he did more damage than good. Yeah. I'll go for a one. A one? Let me see. Who did you give one to? You gave one to Bardia. Because he didn't get the chance to do anything. And no one else. Yeah. <laughs> and I gave a two to Artaxerxes the fourth, which sounds fair, honestly. So, yeah, I'd say I, I'll go for two. You can go for a one. Yeah. So two and a one makes a three out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Next category is face of faces. What do you think this man, this god looked like? Oh, God. I literally have no image in my mind for this man. Give me a moment. <laughs> go for it. Okay, so Serial has finished <laughs> their drawing. And let me pick it up and see what this fellow Enjoy. looks like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this. I love the colossal amount of sass that is emanating from this man. Yeah, I listen. I did not think this would be the direction we would go in, but this is what happened, and I just let the muses guide me, okay? <laughs> so, listeners, what you see here is a man. I did him my favor. I don't think he was this yeah. cool. <laughs> with a long straight nose. Sort of messy, longish hair with a usual diadem covering around it. He has nice robes and then a cloak which is clasped with a Seleucid anchor brooch. And then there is a wonderful shining halo shining out of his head. And he has a little sassy look and sassy hand wave. <laughs> and there is text saying, listen, they made me a god, learn to take a hint. Which I love, and it's very, very good. You know, talking to Ptolemy. And I mean, look at this man's face. You need to look at his specific expression. It's important. So you can find <laughs> that on you our enjoy website. It. It's very good. And now let me show Serial what he actually looked like. And this is just a simple coin from his lifetime. So there we go, Serial. Describe Wait, this is very fellow. similar to our previous coin. You can see the family resemblance. Yeah, are we sure this isn't Antiochus the first? I have been assured this is Antiochus II. Okay. Also, I think well, the shape of the nose is slightly different. Yeah, yeah, the nose is definitely different. It was just, you know, it could have, yeah, yeah. Could have been... It could be. But it's I mean, just they family. are related after all, so... One is his father, so it's fair that they look similar. Paternity yeah. test passed. Similar relief of a profile on a coin. Very well preserved. Like, I like the detail that we have. A bit of a worried expression, but I think that's just because of the upward turn of the brow. Which I think this whole family looks worried in old age. <laughs> yeah, it's also like relatively old age. You can see the wrinkles around the nose and the mouth and such, and the jaw line not being as strong, although still fairly pronounced. Funny ears, kind of like round ears, and the diadem and the curly hair as usual. Just, uh, yeah, an old man. It, it works. Yeah. All right. It's a good portrait. I'd give it like, I don't know, it's contemporary and it has a bunch of detail and you can see yeah. the resemblance. So I would say like maybe a five. A five. What did I give Antiochus the first? Because I really see. liked. You gave Antiochus the first a nine. 
So you went pretty high up there. That yeah, because I loved the comparison of like young and old Antiochus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I feel like a five or a six max. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a five because it's, you know, it's nice, but it's nothing. You know, I'm not going to remember this coin specifically. It's going to be like, yeah, it was a guy. You look like a person. It's nice that you can see the family resemblance. Yep. I mean, I don't know if that's actual family resemblance or just, you know. <laughs> just somebody using uh, old artistic, portraits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, but, you know, maybe. Maybe that's just how you depict kings. You know, knowing the future, they are at least distinct enough. So it's probably just I family see. resemblance. So. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm sticking with a five. How about you? Yeah, yeah, a five seems good. Yeah. With a five and a five, he gets a 2.5 out of five for face of faces. Next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled? Well, he started when he was 25 or so. Thereabouts. And then his children, whom he had from before he was king, grew up to be men. So at least, you know, like maybe give it 10 years. This whole thing with the... It was six years of war? Seven years. With the Ptolemies? Seven years. Yes. Uh, uh, 10 years? Yes, actually a bit more. He managed to uh, oh. make it 15 years from 261 okay, yeah. to Well, 246. I was between 10 and 20. 20 seemed too much for me. Yeah, I didn't have so. time to achieve that much, but he did, you know, a fair amount. So yeah, so 15 years divided by 10 gives us a 1.5 out of 5 for lengthiness. Which brings us to the total score. Where Antiochus II, Antiochus the God, has managed to achieve 23.5 points out of 100. Mm. Seems fine. I mean, he didn't break anything, but, you know. Yeah. He is 0.2 points above Bardia. <laughs> and he's about 0.7 points below Fraortes from back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. Good old Fraortes. Which sounds harsh, but, eh, you know. Yeah. What do you do? Do better yeah. next time, you know. Next incarnation, do better. Appoint an heir. Yes. For starters. <laughs> yeah. That is like, honestly, that is unforgivable. <laughs> like every time mm. they do not appoint an heir. Because I understand it if like you do not have the time, like there's a lot going on, you know, like you haven't managed mm. to have a son, whatever. But like, come on. Is it that difficult? Yeah, you should know better. And you know, if any royals are listening, please appoint an heir. Thank you. Yeah. We should just have a minus points just for that. <laughs> New Specific category. category on did, they did you appoint an heir? No. Did you well, do then an you're Alexander? getting minus 100 points. Yeah, then it is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that leads us to the final question that I think we know the answer for, which is, is he exciting enough, godly enough, sassy oh, enough on, just... to be called a Shah and Shah? Or is he just a Shah and Nah. Nah. Do, nah, do we do not yeah. have which again probably lots to do with the sources but that's how this podcast goes yeah i mean if we had more sources we'd tell you about them but we don't so sorry so yeah sorry antiochus you can go to your father antiochus and tell him that the succession is very messy now compared to just a little bit messy to when he was Whoopsies. around and you can both have fun in the desert. Should have just let Seleucus take over. Yeah, who knows. Because, like, he didn't even live that much longer once he killed his son. So, like, yeah, what would have know. been the difference? Come on. <laughs> yeah, so that is the end of today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And hope you'll join us next week for 
whatever civil war happens in the aftermath and figure out whose <laughs> son succeeds. Will the powerful mothers have an influence? Who knows? We'll see. Oh, I like them. I can't wait to know what the Greeks have written about the evil women. <laughs> yes, of course. They're, they, they're they women seem and to, they're trying you know. to have agency, so they're evil. That's how it works. Yeah. Witches. If you've enjoyed the episode, please remember to rate us and review us, if possible, on your podcast oh, yeah. app of choice. That helps more people find out that we exist, and it's always nice to hear your nice words. It's good to know that we're doing a good job, so hooray. And yeah, so without further ado, I guess, hope you have a good week, and we'll catch you next week with the mystery candidate. <clears throat> Can't wait to find out. Take care, everybody, and see you next week. Bye. Bye.